Sometimes an animal eats an apple and the seeds pass through its body and grow into an apple tree. And sometimes it's just a pile of crap. You're listening to the podcast reviewing films that walk the fine line between passable and porn. We like to call these films Anus Apples. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. My name is Chris. I am your host here for Anus Apples, where we discuss bad movies and whether they have a seed of greatness or if they're just plain crap. I hope you're all doing well and enjoying this journey together in bad movies. And uh, yeah, we're, we're on episode two here. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that I was just so... Uh, I was so surprised in both uh, <laughs> the literal sense of surprise and in very uh, wholesome ways as well. And I was pleasantly surprised with this film. And I was also pleasantly surprised at the director of said film. So why don't we go ahead and take a big giant size bite out of the anus apple known as Meet the Feebles, from 1989, directed by Peter Jackson. Yes, that Peter Jackson. Let's take a look at the, uh, listen to the trailer, shall we? So, you want to join the Feebles? Oh, rather. <laughs> Meet the Feebles! The movie that began as family entertainment, but went horribly wrong. Have you got any smack? Smack? The film the authorities tried to stop. Oh, what Show for Christ's sake. Sex. I'm hot, Bletch, but not the way you think. Drugs. Animal husbandry. Why did you bring it here? It's not mine. You know it's not. We'll let the court decide that, shall we? And the garden, garden of love. Meet the feebles turns the cabbage patch into the killing fields. It's contagious. It's the big one, Harry. No, it can't be. I've taken precautions. Corruption. Barry, do me a line. Lust. Feeling shy. Are you blessed? Light romance. From the director of Bad Taste. Yippee! Did you realize you were sitting on its face? Well, I felt a bit uncomfortable, but I thought it was my hemorrhoid. Please, God, I know I've been a... <coughs> Bad bunny, but if you Nothing make me well again, I'm is sacred. Meet the feebles! Meet the feebles! 
beautiful lighting in this toilet. Okay. So that was the trailer for Meet the Feebles, and I apologize. It is definitely a weird stereo mix, but hey, that's what was available to me. Meet the Feebles was a 1989 film from Peter Jackson, the very same Peter Jackson that later went on to direct and uh, and produce the Lord of the Rings movies and the Hobbit movies and the Beatles Get Back documentary. Yes, that Peter Jackson. And they mentioned the movie Bad Taste. I actually recently watched that, but I'm not going to be doing a review of it right now. I will have to go back and revisit it before I could do a review of that. I will just put it out there that Peter Jackson's early films are really, really out there and yet still really good. Uh, Peter Jackson is definitely, I won't, I won't necessarily say he's like body horror, but like definitely horror, but like kind of funny and disturbing type of horror. And in this movie, it was all about the puppets. It was all puppets all the time. And so let's take a moment to talk a little bit about the plot of this movie. Meet the Feebles is about a troop of uh, puppet characters that are putting on a live television show. This is the first big live television show, and they really need to get it done right in order to ensure that they get picked up by the networks and can go on to uh, produce additional films or additional episodes of the Feebles Entertainment Hour or the Feebles, what was it, uh, Variety Hour. That's what it was. Because it is meant to be a little bit like The Muppet Show. Um, and so you get through the opening number of Meet the Feebles, which you heard a clip of, and things fall apart. So uh, people didn't perform it that well. The director doesn't like the way that they're doing things. And there's this new guy that shows up at the backstage door. His name is Robert, <laughs> and really Robert, but and he's a little hedgehog. He's the outsider. He's the one that's coming in, and um, you know, not he he he's not part of this group, and is trying to become part of this group. You have Heidi the hippo, who is a full human-sized uh, puppet, meaning it's somebody in a suit, and Heidi is getting insulted by the stage hand or backstage hand named Trevor the Rat. We'll get into Trevor the Rat later. Trevor the Rat is definitely a rat. Um, and so she runs off to her dressing room and the whole thing's starting to fall apart. And you start seeing these little glimpses of different characters. You get introduced to Bletch the Walrus and he's the guy that owns the show. And it turns out that he is sleeping with somebody behind Heidi's back. Yes, he should be he should be actually uh, you know, he is with Heidi, but he's 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 fooling around behind her back, you know. Um, but she is what brought him forward. She was the one that enabled him to get this entire production group off the ground and to get to the point where they could finally have a TV show. You have several other just... Uh, uh, you have Arthur, who's kind of like the... The I don't know what to call him. I don't. He's not the director. Maybe he's like the lead stage director or something like that. And he's a worm. And he's he's nice. He he's a he's a, he's a good guy. And he's trying to kind of take uh you know take Robert or Robert under his his uh his coil or his wings so to speak and to help to introduce him. And uh, Robert falls in love uh, immediately. Is smitten with a dog named Lucille. 
and he sees her and just absolutely falls in love and he's trying to trying to work up the courage to talk to her and to impress her and to date her and everything else and he's completely oblivious to the world of sex drugs and all sorts of nasty other stuff that's going on in this world and so the plot continues to go down that line there's also a fly that's kind of like a tabloid reporter who is flying around and like hides in toilets and stuff like that trying to get dirt specifically on this character called harry the rabbit and harry well harry's got problems uh because, well, uh, Harry is not feeling too well, and it may end up being a very deadly virus. Uh, and he ends up going to the doctor later and finding out that he, he may have, quote-unquote, the big one. We'll touch on that a little bit later in terms of what that is. But um, So throughout the course of this movie, though, they're trying to put on this show. They have some acts that are going on, but you also have things like Bletch, you have this, uh, actually, before we get to Bletch, you also have an alligator that is like a knife thrower. And his act is he throw he does knife throwing, you know, where they have this person on the spinning wheel and, you know, he's throwing the knives at it. But he's also um, addicted to drugs. And he's looking to, to Trevor the Rat to get him his supply. Meanwhile, Trevor the Rat has... Uh, this kind of nasty underground studio for porn films that uh, that he makes and him and Bletch put out into the world. And of course, him, Bletch, and, uh, you know, and I think one other cast member, they, uh, they all have relationships with this drug dealer who is bringing in, like, cocaine and, uh, you know, and all this other stuff. So it really becomes a big mess. So at one point, uh, Heidi starts to, uh, Heidi is also working with the person that Bletch is cheating on her with. And at one point, this, uh, this, you know, this hussy makes comments to her about how she's let herself go and, you know, how she's not attractive anymore. And of course, Heidi doesn't take that well. And uh, of course, Bletch comes to comfort her because the show must go on. And, uh, you know, that that's happening. And it's just, it's hard to describe this in a cohesive way, but it all comes together in the end. So eventually, Heidi finds out 100% that uh, Bletch is cheating on her. Harry finds out that he may actually have the big one, which is, uh, well, it's not stated, but it's implied that it's AIDS, okay? Um, And so, you know, Harry finds this out, and then the fly overhears it and leaks that information to the press. Uh, Lucille, unfortunately, gets uh, drugged by Trevor the Rat after she's already fallen in love or starting to become smitten with Robert, and Robert doesn't know anything about drugs, and he sees uh, Trevor after drugging her, taking advantage of her, and walks into the scene and gets very upset and, uh, you know, is more upset, actually, by the fact that he thinks that she was drinking too much and ended up being uh, with Trevor the Rat because of that, but that wasn't the case. She was drugged. And so by the end of the movie, all of these threads are falling apart. You have a drug deal that went bad, uh, and then, you know, the Bletch goes after the bad drug dealer and gets the good drugs. Uh, you have the show ready to start, um, and Heidi finds out right before the show starts. Heidi finds out that 
Fletch is actually cheating on her. He tells her, I am going to fire you after tonight's show because you were basically just my cash cow. You were my way to get into show business. And she tries to kill herself, but unfortunately, she's a really large hippo, so the beam that she tried to hang herself from breaks, and she instead gets mad. She she grabs a gun. She grabs all the ammo, and she shoots the cheating little temptress that takes that that you know that had uh you know stolen bletch from her she goes out and just starts mowing down everybody backstage she goes out onto the stage starts mowing everybody down on stage she ends up uh almost getting uh you know almost getting uh shot by trevor the rat but but Wobbert, Wobbert comes to the rescue uh, because he finally talks to Lucille and finds out that she was taken advantage of, that she was drugged, and he he knocks the gun out of Trevor the Rat's hand, and so Heidi turns around and takes out Trevor, and then finally takes out Bletch. It is a train wreck of a movie that is also a roller coaster ride. It makes almost no sense trying to describe it in a straightforward plot way, but it is just the most enjoyable hot mess of garbage that I have ever watched in my entire life. Um, the best way I can describe it is if you took Jim Henson and took away his his kind and uh, gentle nature and turned him into a gritty, late 1970s, early 1980s, New York City, sleazy, back alley type of producer, this is the type of film you would get. And at one point, they actually have uh, somebody praying to a crucifix, and it's an image that they they couldn't they couldn't actually make it look 100% like Kermit the Frog but Jesus is meant on that crucifix to look like Kermit the Frog it is just outstanding and it is so hard to describe but it really it, it's just one of those movies that at first you're confused it doesn't seem like it's all going to come together and in the last like 30 minutes it all ties together and just makes this this amazing i am smiling while i'm talking into the microphone about this movie now granted this is not a movie for children at all there is puppet nudity all right and the you know like i love the fact that there was recently some melissa mccarthy uh, movie that came out that was uh, like more adult focused puppetry and you had Avenue Q at one point that was on Broadway and all of that type of stuff and those were the things that like kind of said oh we're pushing the limits of puppetry we're the ones getting that edgy stuff out there but this was done back in 1989 and there was uh, clearly sex in it and there was yes in fact upper body puppet nudity uh so definitely not for children there are parts that are violent where characters get crushed their legs get ripped off there's parts where people do a bad batch of drugs that turns out to be borax and it melts people's faces off it is a disturbing film and yet i'm still smiling talking about it i cannot i i cannot say how much i enjoyed this uh instead of talking about the actors because it's it, it by the way no the puppets aren't 
Muppet quality puppets, but they're still very, very, very good. And also the, it does look like it was filmed using, uh, either TV cameras or just lower budget, uh, film equipment. So you're, if you're expecting something that is like the polished Peter Jackson that you get from say Frighteners or Lord of the Rings, you're not going to get that. He was not that popular at that point in time to be able to afford the type of stuff that he could later on. But it's definitely got Peter Jackson's seal on it. So instead of trying to describe the actors and the the puppeteers and everything, I'm going to talk about the characters, or at least the high-level characters, um, the kind of most important characters as best as I can and what their story arcs are. And then from there, we will talk about how it works as a film in terms of uh, direction, editing, and all those other things. So number one character straight at the top of the list is Heidi the Hippo. Heidi the Hippo is the star of the show. She is the one that, you know, gets the special introduction at the end of the Meet the Feebles theme song, and she is kind of the linchpin performer that all of the show is going to operate around. And unfortunately, she's kind of been living in a little bit of a bubble. She can't take criticism very well. And yeah, granted, the criticism is coming from a rat that is really just well, ratty, Um, and, you know, even then, she can't take criticism when she's criticized, she overeats, and that causes other problems, but Heidi is very much, um, you know, kind of a victim character, and I will flat out say this, there are a whole of maybe two or three characters at the end of the movie that, one, survive, but two, that you will actually feel are good people or could, at their core, be a core pe- good people. Heidi, it, she is definitely a wilting, you know, she. I won't say she's reserved, but she, you know, she can't take criticism. Like I said, she gets offended easily. But she also likes performing, and she actually met Bletch back in the past um, when she was a singer at a nightclub, you know? So she loves singing, and she, um, you know, she truly wants to be part of the show, and she doesn't necessarily believe the show is all about her either. I don't necessarily believe that she's as much of a prima donna as she kind of initially comes across, And that's why in the end, when the bad thing, you start finding out all the stuff that's going on behind her back and you start to find out that like, you know, at one point Bletch sleeps with her just to kind of get her to perform. That's it, you know, and it's, it's really sad and you feel bad for her. And in the end, she ends up snapping and she just goes nuts and takes everyone out. And you can kind of understand that because these are all bad people. Now, granted, we'll say that, you know, killing a bunch of people isn't necessarily justified, but still. Um, In the end, you know, she ends up, you know, standing up for herself in a very extreme way, and you end up liking her as a character. Bletch the Walrus is the stereotypical producer that is just looking to get ahead. Uh, he's doing the drugs. He is, uh, you know, using his influence to 
to sleep with cast members and to have them perform sexual favors for him so that they can further their careers. Um, he, you know, at one point eats somebody that is trying to become uh, a character and meet the feebles. Uh, he's off doing drug deals. And then like, he even goes like full gangster at one point and, you know, goes and tracks down a drug dealer, you know, kills him and gets all the drugs. You know, it, it, it's absolutely, uh, he's a, you know, an insane, uh, driven producer. And behind the scenes, he's also producing or allowing allowing Trevor the Rat to to uh, produce pornography with other cast members and uh, sell it on VHS. So, uh, so yeah, Bletch is not a nice guy at all. He's trying to, you know, get successful, do whatever it takes, and then you know, he doesn't care who or what he has to do in order to make that happen. So you don't feel too bad when he gets in the end. Trevor the Rat. Trevor the Rat is a sleazeball in every sense of the word. He is doing drugs. He's making money from people and taking advantage of people who are doing drugs. Uh, and he's also, as I mentioned, uh, you know, producing pornography and, uh, you know, he's he ends up administering date rate drugs and taking advantage of Lucille, the dog, who is a chorus team member. And you just, you hate him from the moment you see him. Uh, Arthur, the worm, Arthur, the kind of stage manager, he is just the nicest character, one of the nicest characters. And he's one of the few sympathetic characters that you care about and who survives in the end. And just an amazing, amazing character, um, you know, takes takes uh, Robert under his wing or his uh, his his wormy tail, so to speak. And he's kind of always, even when Heidi's going nuts, like the reason he survives is she, first of all, doesn't hate him or anything. She likes him. But second of all, he's so small that she just like walks right over him. She never steps on him. He's always like between her two feet, but, um, you know, he ends up, you know, being a really good character. Robert the Hedgehog, or Robert the Hedgehog, is also a delight. He is completely blind to this show business world. He's just like a traditionally trained actor. He doesn't know about drugs. He doesn't do drugs. He uh, is just looking to be in the chorus and is really excited about being a chorus member. He doesn't understand, like he's being told to be further backstage when he's waving a banner back and forth in his scene, but he knows the. he's studied. He actually studied like what this banner waver would be doing and where they would be standing in the context of the scene and the director's having none of it. It's just like, no, you don't understand. This is just a musical thing. Like, you're supposed to be in the background. You're not supposed to be in the foreground. Yes, but in real life, they would uh, be on the foreground. You know, they would be on the parapets. And so it's just, he's such a nice character and he falls immediately in love with Lucille the dog. Uh, and again, he finds out that, you know, it looks like she is... You know, she is with she. She is you know cheating on him behind his back with Trevor the Rat. But he later finds out that she was drugged, and he ends up you know swinging from the waftas in order to knock Trevor the Rat senseless. So um, you know that just an amazing character. You also feel bad for Lucille. Poor Lucille gets taken advantage of. She's not really a huge part, but she does survive in the end. So she's one of the ones that you care about. Harry the Rabbit, Harry the Rabbit is, well, a rabbit, 
Uh, he's one of the stars. He ends up uh, sleeping with a lot of people, and he gets diagnosed with a critical STD, um, it, most likely, again, AIDS. And in the end, he finds out it was all a ruse. Uh, well, not a ruse, but it was it was misinformation, even though there was a, uh, you know, the fly leaked his information to the press, and he was completely devastated, and he's getting sick on stage and all sorts of stuff. It turns out that he doesn't have the big one. And also, I will say the fly gets her comeuppance in the end because she gets her wings teared off, uh, torn off by Bletch and flushed down the toilet. Anyway, it's kind of disturbing. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That's a disturbing scene. Um, but Harry, uh, unfortunately, right after he finds out that he just has a minor illness, of course, gets killed by Heidi in her big rampage at the end. And last but not least, a character I didn't mention much is Sydney the Elephant, who also survives. Sydney the Elephant is the elephant that has a relationship with a chicken. And somehow he has this mutant chicken elephant baby. Um, it doesn't go, go much further than that. In the end, he ends up, um, you know, after the, the mother gets killed in Heidi's rampage, he ends up uh, getting the child and taking care of it and, and uh, everything. So he ends up wanting to become a father. Wow, I've spent so much time talking about the characters that I haven't gotten to talk much about the movie in terms of editing pacing. I'm going to do this relatively quickly because we are running out of time. I want to try to keep these to a half hour. But I will say this. It is clearly a Peter Jackson film. He knows what he's doing. So I will say in the beginning, it really feels like you're kind of jumping all over the place. You're meeting all these different characters at once. You don't understand how all of this is connecting together. It really feels like a bunch of vignettes that are tied together uh, in this world. That's all it is. And it's not a bad thing because if you think about it, that's all the Muppet show was. All the Muppet show was, was a bunch of vignettes tied together within this idea of it being a show. That's all it was. Well, this is a bunch of vignettes about very bad people doing very bad things for the most part. And it all comes together in the end. And like I said, um, they're, they're just the filmography and not the filmography, but the, the, the cinematography is exactly what you would expect from Peter Jackson. The storytelling, even though it takes a while to get going. In the end, I was just, despite it being violent, despite it being uh, filled with drugs, sex, and violence, and terrible things, terrible people doing terrible things, I still really enjoyed this movie because Peter Jackson knew how to tell the story. He knew how to edit it. He knew how to film it. There, I, I honestly cannot say pretty much anything bad about the way that this movie was shot, put together, edited, or anything. It feels like a cheaper version of the Muppets because that's what it is. It's a cheaper, gritty, adult version of the Muppets. Very adult. When I say adult, I mean do not let your children in the room when this movie is on. I beg of you, you will scar them for life. That is how bad it is. I cannot even vouch to say that most adults would want to watch this movie because of the violence and because of the way that things happen in it. Okay, you have to have a certain amount of intestinal fortitude to be able to watch this. But at the same time, if you can make it through it, this is one of the anus apples that I will say is a seed of greatness through and through. If you look where Peter Jackson's career went after this, you can clearly see the roots of it in this movie. So um, 
just a delight. And I, I know it's weird to say a delight about a very adult, very graphic, very gross and gritty and nasty film, but I can't help smiling talking about it. And I'm a huge Jim Henson fan. I have watched so much behind the scenes on Jim Henson stuff. And so like watching this was at first I was like, this feels cheap. And then I watched it and I got through it and just it, it, it pays off in the end. It, it pays off in the end, and the good characters end up really coming through, and there's a little blurb at the end about each of the surviving characters, and you feel really good about where they end up, even though they got there because of really, really bad circumstances. So meet the Feebles. If you have the intestinal fortitude to watch it, I highly recommend it. Uh, you can find it on Tubi.com right now or Tubi TV, whatever it is. Um, you can I, I will link to it on Tubi. I will link to it on IMDb. Definitely go and watch that. Now, if you like what you're hearing here, if you like the time and effort I'm putting into watching these movies and talking about them and putting the show together, then please do me a favor. This is what I refer to as a value for value podcast. What that means is if you get value out of it, show value in return. Now that value doesn't need to be money. If you want to make images, if you want to make audio, if you want to share feedback, if you want to share the show with your friends, you know what? I appreciate all of that. And so uh, definitely speaking. And what I do recommend, though, is you get yourself a new podcast app. Go to newpodcastapps.com. Get yourself a podcast app that supports the podcast namespace features like chapters and cross-app comments and all sorts of other stuff because my podcast supports those things. Uh, transcripts, the whole nine yards, and even streaming value. That right. Or that's right. You can stream Bitcoin to me at a certain amount of Satoshis per minute. And you can even do individual boosts when you're smiling, laughing, enjoying the show, one-time payments. You could do that. And I have other ways you could support or fund me as well if you want to support me monetarily. So I, I definitely though recommend getting a new podcast app. It will change your podcast experience, especially if you are dealing with podcasts that support that functionality. And also, like I said, value for value. If you value what you're getting here, please show some level of value in return. Whatever it means, whatever value means to you, I definitely would appreciate it. Also, if you do want to leave me feedback, if you have a specific movie that you would recommend that I watch. Uh, again, check out Tubi, please, because I prefer free over not free. Uh, definitely send those recommendations. Or if you like what you're hearing, feedback at anal, or sorry, <laughs> anusapples.com. Also, you can hit me up on the Fediverse. It's going to be at anusapples at www.anusapples.com if you're on a federated Mastodon social network. In the meantime, I hope you take a bite out of life like we took a bite out of this anus apple today. In the meantime, I hope you all have a great day, evening, or whatever. My name is Chris, and we'll catch you next time for another anus apple.